We've not met. I'm Nathan Brand. I'm the senior pastor here at Breen Community Church, and we're glad you're here to worship with us. And we're going to dismiss children for Children's Church. That's ages four through first grade. You can follow Mr. and Mrs. Holty out this north door. Well, I wonder, for those of us who have lived a little bit of life, we're out of high school, at least, if we could somehow go back in time and meet our younger self, high school John Young, middle school Justin Long, what, what would you say? To yourself what would you what advice would you give what perspective would you try and bring and say you know I understand that breaking up with your girlfriend or boyfriend hurt but it, it's gonna be okay and you know maybe the the big game that you thought was just losing was just gonna ruin your your destiny it's just a game now right a little more perspective you know what's, what's interesting about that age also is we care deeply about what our friends, what our peers, what others around us think of us, right? Especially the popular, the influential, those that seem to be important. That seems to uh, make us fearful even sometimes. What do they think of me? And how should I react and be living. And, and sometimes maybe you don't even know those people <laughs> when you're at that age, right? You don't really have a relationship, but you just hope that they don't notice you and publicly ridicule you somehow. And to our young people right now, hey, my heart goes out to you because you've got social media and all that type of stuff. That's just wrong and it's bullying. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, those of us who have kind of gone through that period of life, those people who were important, influential, popular, I'll bet almost 100%, those of us who lived past that age, we really don't care. We don't give two shakes about what those people thought, what their opinions were. And frankly, we probably look back with a little bit of embarrassment on ourselves that we cared so much. And we thought that that was what was really important. To you, I, I want to say this, you young people. I want to say, don't live in fear what popular, important, influential people think of you. First of all, I want to say this, be yourself. Be who God made you to be. Bloom and grow in that and, and, and rejoice in it. You might not be the next Michael Jordan or LeBron James, or whatever, whoever think it'd be nice to be. But that's okay. Be who God meant for you to be. I also say this. Be kind. Be kind to everyone. From the social outcast to the person that's really mean. Because, number one, God is not done yet. Don't put them in a box. Because God is still doing something in them. 
And it might surprise you very, it might uh, surprise you in a good way. And here, last of all, I'd say this to you. Find your identity. Find who you are, ultimately, in Jesus. In Jesus. And I know that's the Sunday school answer. I know that's what we say here in church. But here's the importance of it. You will know, first of all, that you are loved. And you will know that God has chosen you. And He's, he's given you purpose. A purpose, not only to bring forth His kingdom, as Chris talked about, but a purpose that only you can accomplish. Because He's made you especially for that purpose. And know, know that you are forgiven for your shortcomings and your faults and the worst thing that you've ever done because of Jesus' blood. And because of that, you can extend forgiveness. You don't have to be caught up in bitterness of holding a grudge against someone forever. And last of all, within that in your identity in Christ, it will give you integrity and courage to stand for what really matters when adversity and persecution comes. And by the way, that's good advice for adults. That's good advice for all of us. But in today's passage, and if you want to crack your Bibles open to Luke chapter 11, Jesus is going to have some challenging words for us. And He's going to ask, whose opinion do we really value in how we live our lives? Who am I? Who are you seeking to please? And who do you fear? And when it's all said and done, does it really matter? And will it last beyond this lifetime? Beyond the short period in just an episode of life you have? So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dig into Jesus' words today. So let's pray, and then we'll see what, what the Lord has for us. Lord Jesus, uh, we have sung that fear is a liar. And it is. So, so often we fear what others think of us when we really need to ask the question, what do you think of us? And how would you have us live? So would you open up our eyes today to what you have to say to us in your word and help us to respond with faith. Respond with faith not because we're great people, because you are a great Savior. And you can do amazing things in transforming us into men and women who are more like you. So we thank you for your word. Use it to do your work in us today. Lord Jesus, it is in your precious name I pray these things. Amen. So I want to thank Jim Kluth last week for taking the pulpit and... Uh, at the very end of chapter 11, Jesus was dealing with a group called the Pharisees, and we're going to meet them again today, actually. And uh, they were people that thought they had their act together. But let's pick up the story here at uh, the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. 
There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you what you should, whom you should fear. Fear him who after the body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. It is the contention of the Scriptures, even Jesus Christ. One day, God will say, Enough! And He will come in the person of Jesus Christ. And He will set everything right. And how we live this life is how we're going to be judged by our Creator, by a holy and loving God. And what we have put our faith in, or whom we have put our faith in, will determine what and how we experience the next life. Our choices, they get to matter. And they get to matter for eternity. And that's what Jesus is going to be talking about throughout this whole chapter into the next nine verses of chapter 13. And so we're going to have a series within the series, if you will, of living for eternity. Jesus is going to talk about issues like money and worry about daily provision, anticipation of His return, where our true allegiance is, the signs of His coming, and repentance in turning back towards Him. But today, in these first 12 verses... Jesus is going to be dealing with these four areas. And we're actually only going to talk about two of them. We'll, we'll extend this out to next week. But whose opinion or influence impacts how you're living? To whom do you think you'll ultimately hold, will ultimately hold you accountable? Who or for what will you stand for? And whom will you lean on when you are tested? The setting here is a crowd. Jesus has been enveloped by a crowd so much it's almost unruly. People are stepping on each other. But Jesus starts to talk to his disciples. And he allows the crowd to listen in. 
And again, the question is, whose opinion, whose influence impacts how you're living? And again, this group, the Pharisees, is brought up. They are the ultra-religious folks. And to be honest with you, we probably have a lot in common with them. In fact, they probably started out with very good intentions. They wanted to live out God's law. They wanted to obey that. Unfortunately, some good things go wrong and awry. It developed into putting rules upon rules upon rules, where those things became the most important thing, rather than actually doing what God desired for us. It decayed into self-righteousness. I'm going to have bright standing before God because what I can do and a critical spirit of what others were not doing. You were not as righteous as me. But here's the thing. The Pharisees, they were the in crowd. In that time, they were the folks who were the gold standard. If you wanted to be a good Jew, you kind of had to stay in line with what the Pharisees said. And they enjoyed that power, that influence. That's why they didn't like Jesus. Because he rocked it. Because you guys aren't all you cracked up to be. And that's what, what Brother Jim was speaking about last week in, in Jesus' in, interaction with them. In fact, this is what Jesus says. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God who brings the kingdom of God. He says, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He uses this phrase, be on guard against the yeast or the leaven. It's the word picture of how yeast influences flour, right? It makes it rise, gets puffed up. It's probably a good illustration. He says, be on guard against their influence. Because you know what it ultimately is? It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The word literally means, hypocrisy in, in Greek means to speak from behind a mask. We really get this image from the theater. To play a role. To be someone that you're not. You see, what was happening on the outside was not what was happening on the inside. And just going back to last week's sermon, Luke eleven thirty nine, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Now you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and the dish, talking about their outward appearance. But inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You see, the foolishness of the Pharisees was keeping outward appearances. That's the leaven that Jesus is saying, beware of. Keeping up appearances, being good at being good, being concerned with what others think or what your other fellow Pharisees think, not so much about the living God. And the result of, those, of that sect for many of them was pride, a hardness of heart, and they were unable to see their own need in their own heart, and they were unable to see God's provision in Christ. <laughs> Repent! Repent for what? Turn back to God, turn back to God for what? I'm doing pretty well, is what they thought. 
And Jesus is saying, don't take your cues from them. Don't take your cues from them because everything ultimately will be unmasked. Verse 2, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the roofs. You see, if you're in the business of keeping up appearances, all those things you're keeping from everybody else, they're going to be revealed. Those things that you don't want anyone else to see, well, they're going to be shown. Those things you said that you thought no one else could hear, they're going to be shouted. Even your very thoughts and attitudes will be revealed. God sees it all. God knows it all. God hears it all. And here's the question I ask as we're looking at this passage. Have any of us kind of fallen into the trap of keeping up appearances? And sometimes it happens very subtly, right? I mean, we've been at church enough. We know how to act. We know what to say. We have the right answers. We even have scripture references to go with our answers. And we're quite involved in, in ministry. But what we really care about is not about how to please God. We're kind of concerned about how we look before each other. What do people think of me? My desire is more to please those around me than to please the living God. And, you know, having a deep concern for people and compassion, I actually find myself judging them, finding out what's wrong with them, saying, oh, they only had more faith. They only did this. They only did that. If they only had listened to this verse, rather than saying, Lord, I want to help come alongside them and turn them towards you. Have we fallen into the trap of keeping up appearances? We have the right behavior. And in fact, we actually take pride in having our act together. And folks, don't, don't hear me saying, I don't want you to obey Scripture. Don't hear me saying, I don't want you to live to please God. But we can fall into that trap. That trap of really living to keep up appearances rather than to be true-faced about what's going on in us. You know, I'm a pastor. Again, I'm paid to be good, right? I need Jesus every day, folks. Because I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Because if you saw everything I thought, everything I said, everything I did, Maybe you might think less of me. But I need Jesus just like you. And I think sometimes keeping up appearances can be a self of self-deception. Yeah, I got this going pretty well. And, and here's another thing. Even folks that don't think that they have their act together, you know, when they find out I'm a pastor... 
all of a sudden they change their behavior in front of me. You know, it, it, I, sometimes I don't tell people I'm a pastor because I don't want them to change. But all of a sudden, it's like their language changes, their, their actions change. They're not, they don't, they're not real people around me anymore. In fact, they don't want to talk to me a whole lot anymore sometimes because, oh, I don't want the pastor to know. But here's the thing, folks. God knows it all. God sees it all. Again, all this is going to be revealed. In fact, this is what the Proverbs says, 15 and 11. Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more do human hearts, God, sees it all. But here's my question. See, whom do you think will ultimately hold us accountable when all, at the end of the day, when all things are done? And this is what Jesus says in verse 4. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Again, kind of going back to the, the setting of where this is originally spoken. The Pharisees, they have power, they have influence, they will play a part in Jesus going to the cross. And even in the early church, the Pharisees will play a part in some Christians being followers of Jesus going to their death or being persecuted. And you know what? That would go from them to the Roman government who had power and influence and Christians would go to their death. And this would be true over history. We've even seen it, many of us, in our own lifetime. Persecution of Christians in communist countries like China, Russia, East Germany, North Korea, Cambodia. Even currently in places like North Sudan, or what's happened with ISIS, killing Christians. But here's, here's the reality of that. That's a very stark thing. We don't, we don't experience that here in, in America. But it is a reality. And maybe one day it will be a reality for us. I don't know. But it's not before your persecutors that you're going to stand. It's before the living God. And He is the one who will judge us. He is the one we should fear. And when I say that, I don't mean that God is looking to zap us. He's just looking to, for us to screw up and pssst, I'm going to send a lightning bolt. Or even just to, to send us to hell. No. That's not His desire even. But we should fear Him because He is perfect and holy. Because he is the standard. And because we don't meet the standard. We don't meet His holy standard. And He will judge. And we should fear Him because He is the one we need to bridge that gap between His perfect holiness and our sin. That's why we should fear Him. 
Again, the foolishness of the Pharisees is that they tricked themselves into believing they were meeting God's standard. That was their foolishness. That's the leaven Jesus is saying, don't buy into this. Don't do that. You know, the first words of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount are this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That phrase means those who feel like they are in spiritual poverty. They've got nothing. But what does he say? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, each day when each one of us has to stand before our Creator, whether He comes back or when we just... Our, our life is done on this, on this side of heaven. I think when we stand before Him, we'll know automatically that we've fallen short of His holiness. Isaiah was greatly aware of that when he sees God's holiness in Isaiah chapter 6. The question I think ultimately he's going to ask is, what did you do with my son? With the one I sent with my Messiah. What did you do with Him? How did you respond to Him? With my provision, my gift. Of course, this is still midway through Jesus' earthly ministry, right? But He's going to come and live the life that we can't live. He's going to die and pay the debt that we can't pay. And then conquer sin and death by rising from the grave. You see, the message of God's good news is not be good or get your act together. The message of the gospel, His good news, is believe. Believe in what God has provided in His Son. And receive Him. Put all of your faith, all of your confidence in what He has done, not in what you can do. And then let Him come and change you. Let Him come and change you. Because you can't do it. That's why Christians talk about what Jesus even talked about. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be reborn. Born again. A spiritual rebirth because Jesus has to do that in you. The Holy Spirit has to do that in you. It can't be you. The message of the gospel is not be good because we can't be good enough. The message of the gospel is believe, receive, and be changed. The Apostle Paul framed it like this especially speaking of the Old Testament law. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Therefore there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood 
to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and to be the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Folks, at the end of the day, it's not those around us who we'll have to answer to. They have to answer for themselves before a holy God. No, it will be the living God. And the question is going to be, what did you do with my provision? Because that's what the Pharisees are rejecting. And for those who are looking to self-justification, that claim is going to ring hollow before a holy God. I want to ask you, and I want, I want to ask you, not that you need to give an answer to me, but give an answer to your own heart, honestly, before God. Do you find yourself living to keep up appearances. You want to be good at being good. In fact, that's what you're, you're working for. And maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet. But you're figuring, you know, if you work hard, try and live better than the next guy, well, you know, you've got a fighting chance. The problem is, again, the standard is not the world around us. It's not those around us. It's the transcendent holy God. But here's the thing. He has made a way for you to be reconciled to Him. To have right relationship with Him. To stand before Him spotless. And it's not in your own ability. It's in what Jesus has done. Have you put your faith in Him? Maybe today is a day that you want to do that. A couple verses come to mind. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. The implication is if you don't believe, you're heading towards perishing but have everlasting life. I want to ask, are you trying to keep up appearances? Or have you put your faith in Jesus? And again, I don't know everyone's heart here. And you may think, I'm going to address the person that thinks they're a follower of Jesus. You've become, become involved in His church, and, and that's a good thing. And you're doing some, some good things. Okay, but my question is this. Is your hope, is your trust, is all, are all your eggs in the basket of what Jesus has done? In His life, in His death, in His resurrection? Or are you going to try and present before God a resume of being good? I was involved in your, your stuff, God.
Jesus says that, you know, there are going to be some people that says, they're going to say to him, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. That's a scary thing. Have you put your faith in Jesus? That's my question. But again, you don't have to answer to me. But you have to answer to the living God. Again, the gospel is not be good. The gospel is believe, receive, and let him change you. Last of all, for those of us who are followers of Christ, we really are. But I tell you, it's easy for us to drift into keeping up appearances. Sometimes it's just our cult. We don't, we don't even notice it. We don't even notice it. But we've kind of lost touch with our first love. Again, it's, it's about pleasing our brothers and sisters around us. Rather than saying, God, what do you think? How would you have me live? But again, God is not looking to zap us. In fact, God is looking to restore us. And maybe you just need to, first of all, just confess it to God. Say, God, you know what, Lord, as I look inside, I, I, if I'm honest with myself, I'm keeping up appearances. And I want you to forgive me for that. Because I want to operate out of pure devotion to you. I want to operate out of a pure heart towards you. And I know I can't do anything of my own, but your Holy Spirit can be at work in my heart. Scripture says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And sometimes it might even be helpful to confess this to a trusted brother or sister. And I know that's scary. But you know what? This is a grace-filled church. I've been around this congregation enough to know that most of the, most of the people are not hypocrites. Most of the people aren't putting on masks. They're willing to be real with you if you're willing to be real with them. And to be able to say, you know what? I find sometimes I'm operating out of man-pleasing or woman-pleasing rather than God-pleasing. And you know what? The, the, the promise in James 5.16 is this. If we can, you know, we can confess our sins to one another and pray for one another in order that we might be healed. And frankly, I will tell you this, folks. If there's sin in your life, that you need, and it's, it's festering there, or it's something that you're having a struggle with, it's actually great to bring it out in the light to a trusted brother or sister, because I find that once that's revealed, that thing stops having so much power over you. It's when we're living in secret that we're, that thing has a power over us, because we're trying to cover it up. So, I'm going to ask this question again. Whose opinion, whose influence is impacting how you're living? Is it the people around you? Or is it the living God? We're going to explore more about that next week. But right now, we're going to celebrate. 
we're going to stop and look at what God has done. And God bridging that gap between a holy God and sinful men and women. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we do this once a month. And uh, I want to tell you this. Here at Berean, we practice what we call open communion. That means if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're welcome at this table. It's not my table. It's not the table of the Berean Community Church. And Jesus is the one who invites you to this table to celebrate what He has done. But we also come thoughtfully knowing that it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And uh, we take our cues from the instruction that the Apostle Paul gave us in 1 Corinthians 11. And just let me read this for you as we enter into a time of um, some confession, at least silently before the Lord, and reflection. It says, "Therefore, Therefore whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So for a few minutes now, I'm just... Joy's going to play silently, or quietly, not silently. Watch my phraseology there. She's going to play quietly, and we're just going to ask the Lord to search our hearts. Show us when we're out of sorts with Him, and take Him at His promise. Again, if we confess our sin, He is faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we'll go ahead and continue to celebrate.